Well, it truly is an honor and a privilege to gather together and worship this morning. I hope you've been blessed just by the opportunity that we have to worship our God. We need him so much, don't we? We sure do. We need him a lot. Well, our mission at West Hill is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're really passionate about Bible teaching that you can apply to your everyday life. Because that's what Jesus did, that's what he taught, that's how he taught, and that's what he encouraged his disciples to do. And so if you have a Bible, I would love for you to find Daniel chapter 1 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can use your phone or a device or it will be on the screen. But we're going to be in the Old Testament for the next couple of weeks, the next three weeks, in a series called Radical Devotion. Looking at the first few chapters of Daniel, and boy, they are packed full of so many wonderful truths for us in this life. Now, when we think of the book of Daniel, many of us probably remember the stories that you probably learned as a kid in children's ministry, uh, you know, which are are sometimes and, and sadly discounted as we get older in our faith. Or maybe we just think of the prophecies of Daniel and we feel overwhelmed at understanding all of the the prophecy and and some of the end times types of things that that we see there. But I pray that this series will, will highlight the truth and the application of this wonderful book and what it has for our Christian lives and how we can work these things out even today. Because this is more than just This is more than just being thrown into the fire or into, or becoming a a lunch for a group of lions. It's more than that. It's a much needed reminder that we need to be faithful to the Lord's commands and his purposes for all of us. And the accounts of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show us that we, we can be committed to God no matter what is going on in our world or in our culture. It's a wonderful reminder for us as we navigate so many different things in our culture. But here's the question that I want each and every one of you to consider this morning, and it's this, is is when have you experienced a test of your faith? When have you experienced a test of your faith? Maybe it was uh, the loss of a job. That can be a very faith-testing moment. What am I going to do? How am I going to provide for the needs of my family? What will I do next? How will I navigate that that season of change? And that can be a test of your faith. Maybe it's a bad diagnosis. You received news that you didn't want to hear. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Or it could be something like bankruptcy. Or maybe a mental health struggle. Those are all things that that could go under as as an answer to this question of of experience that we have with testings of faith. But what made you identify those circumstances as a test of your faith and not just a hard time? And so navigating some of that can be challenging, but I'm convinced that that if a trial causes us to question and it causes us to wrestle with our faith, which is not a bad thing, when we're forced to evaluate what we really believe about something, then we can consider it to just, to be just that, something that tests our faith. Now, if you've been a Christian for more than 
more than five minutes, you've probably experienced a trial like this. And we can read what the Bible says about trials, and for the purpose of this series specifically, we're going to talk about how trials test our faith. But the, but the way we, but the way I've personally learned, and maybe this is the case for you, the way I've personally learned that most of my trials come from those personal experiences, and I've learned something significant in those seasons. Now, something interesting that I believe the Bible teaches, and again, I've also discovered from personal experiences, is that trials or tests, they can come from three different places. And there could, maybe you could add more, maybe I've said too many, but there are three different places that I've identified that tests come from. God can test our faith. David writes about this a ton. If you read the book of Psalms, you see David wrestling with, with God testing him. With, with God, why are you testing me? Why are you challenging me in this way? Or maybe you would maybe think of the story of Job. Where in that situation, Satan is the one who is testing Job and testing his faith. And then maybe it would be the evil or wicked people category. Ezekiel or Elijah, his faith was tested by evil Jezebel. And so there are three different ways that your faith can be tested. God, Satan, or wicked or evil people. And we can spend a lot of time this morning, we could spend a lot of time getting into the philosophy of the evil people actually being influenced by Satan and the fact that Satan is only able to do what, what God allows into our lives and that, that God only allows Satan to go so far. We could talk about those things. We know that God is sovereign and that word actually means that he's the one in charge. So we can trust that he's in charge no matter what is happening in our lives. And Psalm 14 tells us that, that, that God has given him temporary power to do the things that he does. So if he didn't cause it, we can see that he allowed it. But that's a sermon for another time and certainly not the point of this series. The reason I don't think it's required to identify this morning where exactly the test is coming from is there's a couple of different reasons. And, and the, the first one can be this. We, we can trust that God is good and that no matter what he allows, he can use it for our good. And number two, the source of our test doesn't change how God calls us to respond to it. So if you want to dive deeper into some of that philosophy, I would encourage you to do that. It would be very interesting. But for this series, we're going to spend our time together focusing on the truth about faith tests that apply to us right now and how we can use it this week in our homes, in our marriages, in relationships with those that we work with, and even at our jobs and how we respond to the things that come our way. And so if you're there in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read a ton of scripture this morning. So keep your Bible or your device open. Like I said before, we will have it on the screen so you'll be able to follow along the whole time. But Daniel chapter 1 verse 1 starts by saying, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, but I want to stop for just a second, and I want to point out something that is often passed over when we do readings of the Old Testament. Jehoiakim did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
That's important to understand as we continue to understand what's happening here in Daniel chapter 1. So, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment because a lot is covered in these opening verses. So let's have just a really quick history lesson. If you're into history, you're going to love this. If you're not, just wait for a minute. But, but prophets had, had warned for a very long time the people of Israel that this day was, was coming and they'd actually been warning them that this day was coming for decades. The nation of Israel had, had kind of fallen into this habit of mistreating the poor. They fell into idolatry and they gave themselves over to immorality. And these things ruined them as we, we all know they do. And this is all due to their rebellion against their God, the one with whom they'd entered a specific covenant with. Isaiah prophesied about this actually uh, about a century before it would happen. Micah and Habakkuk would say the same thing and then Jeremiah would come on the scene and he would live to see all of this come to be true. And Daniel, our main character for today and his three companions, they would have heard Jeremiah's prophecies and preaching about this, this ruin that they're now experiencing. And very often we see that God would allow his people to choose whether they would serve him or not, that he would allow them to live in shame in pagan lands in order to bring them to repentance and back to himself. The watching world, though, they probably thought that God had been defeated by the captivity of God's people. And when Jerusalem's fall took place, they probably thought, this is over. Like, we're done with this, this, this God's nation kind of thing. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar at this time was an evil king. He destroyed the temple of God with fire. He took the furnishings out of the temple, which were sacred. These would have been uh, cherubim that were made of pure gold, and they were there as symbols of protection for the Ark of the Covenant. There were other, other you know, uh, fine wooden altars and different types of furniture that were placed in there. And so they took those things, and they put them in their own God's temple. A little later in the storyline, Belshazzar would use those furnishings at a feast for his pagan god, and he would be judged by God for it. And that happens in chapter 5, which we're not going to cover in this series. But for many, the fall of Jerusalem had seemed like a massive victory for the idol gods. But in some way, it was the Lord's victory. Even through all of this, God kept his covenant and his promises with and to the nation of Israel. He promised to care for them, to bless them if they would obey him and keep his commands. But if they disobey, God made it clear that he would scatter them among ungodly nations. They willingly entered into this agreement. They were called to be a light to the pagan nations but they became exactly like them instead. Boy, do we ever know what that looks like? And I'm not just talking about our, our, our cultural things. I'm talking about God's people adapting and turning their back on God's plan and his will and his covenant for their, their lives and their families. That's what I'm talking about this morning. It wasn't just what was happening in the nation. 
is what was happening in here. But even when disobedience occurs, and this is what I want you to hear this morning, God will always forgive and he will always restore when humility and repentance occur. The Babylonians, if you know the rest of the story, would have their day. God is going to raise up another nation. He's going to raise up the Medes and the Persians, and they will eventually defeat Babylon. But let's continue with verse 3 here in Daniel 1. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, four youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Now, the king's plan was to take the best men and train them and put them to work in his kingdom to do his thing, to serve his cause and his mission, not just to serve the, the God of Israel's cause and mission. They had knowledge, they had physical skills that he needed, and, and based on the biblical timeline, Daniel and his three friends would have roughly been about the age of 16 years old at this time. Now, most of our 16-year-olds are currently on a bus heading to camp. So just imagine what these young men were experiencing. But imagine your own kid in that position. Imagine yourself as a 16-year-old in this position. As you can see throughout the, the timeline of the Old Testament, finding people who were faithful to the Lord wasn't an easy thing to do. Wickedness permeated among God's people. Very few were actually obeying Yahweh. You often hear that, you often hear about a faithful remnant all throughout the Old Testament who obeyed and followed the Lord. These people walked through trials and challenges, but they remained faithful. But there was not a lot of them. On a side note, I wonder what the faithful remnant will look like as our own end times approach us. But Daniel and his three friends were above average. They were, they were from the tribe of Judah, which is significant if you understand the tribes of Israel. And God was going to use these four men in incredible ways. They were gifted, they were smart, and they were good-looking. And this was why the king wanted them. He, these, were, these were the heartthrobs of their day. They made him and his kingdom look good. So maybe you're a boomer in the room this morning. Maybe you would think Richard Gere. Or maybe you're in the millennial crowd and it's Zac Efron. Or maybe for the Gen Z folks who are, who are not here in the room, they would say Sean Mendez. But these were young men who loved the Lord. And we have to keep that in mind. Verse 5 continues, Then the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Michelle, he called Meshach, and Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, aside from the fact that these young men had been ripped from their families and placed into captivity, this was almost turning out to not be such a bad deal. I mean, you think about um, Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer to the king, like, that's a pretty good deal. 
unless somebody's trying to poison the king, but it was good food. It was the best food. They were going to be cared for. They were going to be trained. They were going to be pampered. And the king's food was the best around. But we see in the next verse that there was just a slight issue. Verse 8, the first part, but Daniel resolved, or you could translate that word, he purposed. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, why would Daniel do this? Why would Daniel purpose or resolve in his heart that he would not eat of this food? Well, this takes us back to the conversation that we had last week about legalism and laws and systems. There were some specific requirements for the nation of Israel who lived before the new covenant of Jesus that, that we now live under. And based on God's law for them, at the time, they would be ceremonially unclean by eating the king's food. They could only eat animals that had been killed and approved and done a certain way. They had to, they had to be killed and prepared in a specific fashion. And the Babylonians did not follow the same meal prepping plan as the nation of Israel. But there's more. In this pagan kingdom, the meat would be offered to false gods and idols, and that would cause it to be defiled. So a faithful, a faithful Jew, a faithful person of, of Israel wouldn't dare eat it because it went against God's specific plan for their lives. And Daniel and these four, Daniel and these other three young men, they were faithful to God. And that brings us to our first point this morning, that radical devotion starts with a commitment to faith. If you want to be radically devoted to the things that God wants for you, that he's called you to do, it's going to require you to be committed to your faith. You see, Daniel, his heart belonged to God, along with his three friends. I love this connection that it makes to our conversation last week about the heart because Proverbs 4 reminds us that we are to guard our heart because from it flow the things of this life. It, it determines the course of our life. When we love and when we trust him, we, we won't have an issue with obeying him. We will see it as worth the sacrifice when we trust him, we will trust the outcome, whatever that outcome may be. You see, they had a choice to make. Daniel had a really big decision to make. Follow God's word and his commands or eat the king's food. And they chose God. Now, we will more than likely never face this exact type of testing in our lives. But we will certainly be tested. And you have certainly been tested. And when we are, what will we do? When we are pressed to conform to the patterns of this world, how, how do we resist? And we know Romans 12 verses 1 through 2, we know what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, all of yourself, as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But he doesn't stop with just presenting ourselves and, and worship. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, Paul says, you may discern 
what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pastor Chip Ingram, many of you have read his books. He teaches about verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, and he says that in the original language, it's better understood as to stop conforming yourself to the world. You see, when we conform, it reveals that, that we have given in to the pressures from the outside, that we have, we have allowed it to, to shape us, or you could consider a mold. It, it has molded us. But when we are transformed only by the power that comes from inside us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as he illuminates his word inside of us, only then can we be transformed. And Daniel and his friends were a transformed type of people. They were committed to their faith in radical ways. You see, they were not changed by their world. They changed their world. They were able through faithfulness to their God to change the mind of the rulers that they were captive to, which is a powerful thing to take notice of. And that's a little bit of a spoiler alert if you don't know the rest of the story. But Daniel and his friends, they had a unique challenge. The challenge was the king and his leadership. The second part of verse 8 continues, Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, God provides everything that we need during trials and testing. He gives favor and he gives compassion here to Daniel from the leaders. Verse 10, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigns your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king, the chief eunuch says. This is a big deal for him. He's a little nervous. Verse 11. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Once again, faith on display. No matter what happens, Daniel says, I'm going to do what's right. He didn't know how it was all going to work out at this point. But he's acting on faith and obedience. He's following his God. He's being obedient. Verse 14, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh. <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> then all the youths who ate the king's, then all the, the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Radical devotion will cause us to be committed or reveals our commitment, but then radical devotion will have a chance to prove itself. It always does. It may not come in the form of defying some evil king, but when we follow the Lord, our faith will be tested. We see this all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Bible, that no one comes out on the other side of life with zero scars. Follow the Lord 
and you're going to have hard times. I want you to hear that this morning that following Jesus is not this guarantee of everything's just going to be wonderful all the time. It's not easy following Jesus. Now, we don't have to ask any kings or, or leaders to the king to test us, but when we determine to do what is righteous, it will be tested in some way. And we need to make the decision ahead of time. What will we do when those testings come? Now, as I've mentioned, Daniel's situation is slightly different than what we often face in our culture, but I think we can learn and we can adapt his approach to certain issues. Daniel did, did not make a bunch of threats in his response to these leaders. He didn't burn down any buildings. He stood for his beliefs and he then welcomed the test. The early church leaders, they gave us the same example in the book of Acts. They were, they were constantly being hounded for healing people and for proclaiming the good news of the gospel, but they remained gentle and they were gracious in their conversations with the authorities. Even when they chose not to obey the authorities and obey God instead, they were still gentle about that. They still made it clear who they were going to follow, that they were going to follow God no matter what laws they passed or what new judgments or edicts that they were going to press in on them. Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded them, commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were all in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Radical devotion is a guarantee for future blessing. Faithfulness is always rewarded. You can count on this. God rewards the faithful. They followed God and he blessed them. He gave them wisdom. He gave them understanding and he also gave them skill. And when the king examined them, they passed the test. But it's all because they resolved, they purposed in their hearts to honor the Lord and His ways above anything and anyone else. Now, does it always look like this? No, not at all. We, we, don't, we don't always come out on the other side with no scars and scratches. Sometimes when you take a stand like many believers in our world have, they lose their heads over it. Sometimes they get put in prison for taking a stand for what they believe in. And no matter the outcome, I mean, sometimes villages are destroyed. But no matter the outcome, we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope that God is always with us and he's never going to leave us or forsake us. No matter what happens in this life, either way, either in life or death, we will be okay. And that's a, that's a reminder that we all need today. It's always worth the sacrifice to do what is right in the Lord's eyes. 
When we face a test, we need to ask God for courage to face it, whatever it is. We need to pray for strength to do what is needed when we experience that specific test. Because he promises to provide it. He promises to be with us. He says that if you will ask for wisdom, he will give it. And through it all, our heart needs to be focused on bringing him honor and him glory. And the wonderful thing, if you read Daniel 1, Daniel 3, and Daniel 6, which are the focus of this series, every single one of those accounts ends with God receiving all of the honor and all of the glory for what has happened. We can't see the end of the road. Not a single person in the room, no matter how much you plan, and I'm right there with you, I'm planning out, I'm planning out my last moment. No matter how much you plan, no matter how much you look at the future, you can't see the end of the road. Our sight is limited. But he is good, and his character can be trusted, even when we don't understand. The significance of that word resolved that Daniel used communicates a lot of different things in the Old Testament. But one thing that it communicates and it lays out very clearly is Daniel was making it a bold statement that no matter what, I'm not going to defile myself. That's a big deal. You see, radical devotion results in total Surrender. Something I think believers should recognize is this, that the presence of doubts or a reason to question our faith is, is nothing to be afraid of, and it's definitely not something to be ashamed of today. That it's, it's okay to have questions. That when Daniel was faced with this decision, I'm sure he had some questions in his mind. Like, is this going to work? If I take this stand, what's going to happen? What are the doubts? I mean, I don't know what he thought, but I know he was human. And I know that was a scary moment. But I'm sure he had a question. I'm sure he had a doubt. How would the king take this refusal? Would they be killed for this? Would God understand if they caved under these extreme circumstances? That's something that I would say to myself. God's going to be okay. He's going to forgive me. I'm going to keep my head. It's going to be good. But ultimately, the question that he asked was, was his faith worth the risk? You see, when we encounter those same questions, we shouldn't be afraid of them. Don't resent the fact that they exist. Acknowledge them and answer them in light of what God's word says and his promises to us. Let him and his spirit settle you and strengthen you and your resolve. See, the worst thing that I think we can do in this life as we go through hard times is get bitter and insecure about the fact that we're struggling and pretend that our faith isn't being tested. I think we should just go after it in those moments. I see so many Christians just give up the fight right before a breakthrough. Right before God is, is going to show them why they're experiencing what they're going through and, and what God's going to do on the other side 
of that, that trial and that challenge. I see people give up so quickly. I think we should stay in the game. We talked about this on Easter. I think that the, one of the reasons why is we kind of live in a culture, a church culture sometimes, that's afraid for us to just be real about our struggles. So the question that I want you to consider is this, is are you committed to your faith? Are you committed to your faith? Because radical devotion starts with a commitment to God and his ways. Are you ready for when your faith will be tested? Because it's going to be tested. Because radical devotion is going to have a chance to prove itself. And then do you trust that the blessing is actually worth it? Because radical devotion is a guarantee for future blessing. Radical devotion results in total surrender. So are you committed? Are you radically devoted to your God this morning? I know it seems like a simple message, but we live in a world that that's afraid to do what Daniel did. We sometimes find ourselves in the church culture that is afraid to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to say no to this. And we're going to say, no, we're not going to go there. And we're going to say, no, we're not going to participate. But we're going to do what God has asked of us and called us to do. We are going to be radically devoted to him and his ways. No matter what it costs us, we're going to, with, with, we're going to withstand this test. And we're going to come out on the other side surrendered. But it starts with the decision to be radically devoted and committed to your faith. So the challenge for us this morning is, is the same as it has been for generations upon generations. Commit yourself to the Lord and honor him with your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That you don't know what it means to, to follow his ways, to know him and know what it is that he wants for you and from you and, and how he can use you in this world. I want to challenge you that you can know him this morning and you can be given a purpose to live that is beyond anything that you've ever experienced before. A mission that you can engage in that is out of this world that is connecting people to the God of the universe. And that's what we want to be about. That's what we want to do. That's why our mission as a church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I don't care about anything else but you following Jesus and knowing him and being surrendered to him. So maybe here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship. We want to encourage you to have a conversation with someone. Maybe talk to the person who brought you. Talk to me at the end of the service. We're going to have a deacon placed over here to my left, to your right at the end of the service. They would love to have a conversation with you about the gospel and how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We would want nothing more than for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus today. For the church member, for those who are a part of our body, are you surrendered and are you committed? Because radical devotion results in total surrender. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for Jesus Christ, who he is, 
what He did, and what He offers us. God, we can't do any of the things that we talked about this morning without Your Spirit guiding us and leading us to do what You've called us to do. And so God, I pray that You would use these simple words of mine, but more importantly, the powerful, strong words of Your Word in our lives to change us and shape us and direct us. God, we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done. Help us this week as your body to resolve in our hearts to not defile ourselves with the things of this world, but to fill our hearts with your word and your love. And may this world be affected because of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.